Well, so far in the study of the Gospel of Mark, we've talked about how Jesus is greater than religion, and Jesus is greater than Satan, and today we're going to look at how Jesus is greater than family, which might sound a little strange to you listening today, because family's a good thing, right? Well, well, as we finish up Mark chapter 3, we get a rare glimpse at the family of Jesus, kind of the family life of Jesus. We're going to get into all of that today with Pastor Eric, and also with our good friend Bo, who's joining us in the studio today to share some of his personal experience around this. Um, Because Bo, for you and your wife KD, you recently came out of Mormonism, and anytime anytime someone, we've seen many couples come out of Mormonism, anytime a family comes out of Mormonism into Christianity, a lot of times it comes at a cost. And so the question that we want to start with today, and, and Bo, we want to have you answer this question. Just give give us like the five-minute, the seven-minute version of this answer. And people, if you want to listen to the full story, Bo and KD's story, make sure to check that out on our Unveiling Mormonism podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. But Bo, here's your question to get us started before we even get to the text. Would you still follow Jesus if it cost you your family. So there's the question. Uh, I would encourage people to really think about that. And Bo, you for real had to ask yourself that question. Tell us your story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks, Brian and, and Eric. I, I, uh, I did <laughs> very literally had to ask myself that question. Um, and the short answer is yes, absolutely. Right to follow Jesus if it costs you your family. I, the a relationship with Jesus is, is everything. Um, so, so yeah, the, I guess a quick, uh, version of this is I, yeah, I was raised, um, in a, in a particular, uh, religious tradition, right. In, in, in Mormonism and had amazing parents. They're some of the best people out there. And, and being raised Mormon, I was all in, I, I, um, did everything that I was supposed to do, right? I um, studied my scriptures every day. I, I prayed every day. I went to church every week. I went to young men's every week. I, I fulfilled my priesthood duties. I fulfilled my callings. And um, throughout my upbringing, truly believed in family being um, not just the central unit of society, but being eternal. That the, the family relationships I had here were sealed and that they would be, you know, what existed beyond. And, and, and so family was, was everything for, for us growing up. Um, now I, you know, I, I ended up serving a mission as all good young men do in the church. And, um, I absolutely loved that experience, you know, had a, had an awesome opportunity and, and I, I thought it was the best. And I worked my tail off. I worked so hard on my mission and, um, tried to convert as many as I could to, to the Mormon gospel, um, and taught as many people as I could uh, about eternal families, because again, eternal families was, was what the focus was. So, um, eventually, uh, I, I ended up becoming a seminary teacher for the, for the LDS church. And for those that don't know what that is, that's, a, a, I guess, essentially a youth pastor all week. So, so Monday through <laughs> Friday, you're, you're basically a youth pastor for eight hours a day, teaching the youth of the LDS church, um, during, during high school hours. So 
anyway, I, I taught seminary for years, um, loved that experience, and eventually came to the realization uh, that what I was teaching was questionable, um, that there were discrepancies between what I was teaching and what I would read in the Bible, for example. And um, that, that caused me to question everything. Uh, it caused me to question my, my faith, caused me to question my belief in um, God, my belief in eternal families, my, my belief in scripture, uh, and definitely my belief in Mormonism. And so that, that took me on about an eight-year journey of discovery. And eventually, uh, you know, as I, I relied on God, on God's word, and did, did my best to, to follow the promptings I, I received, I, I um, was led to the understanding that, that Jesus is our God and King, and that, that Jesus is enough. And, and through that experience... Um, I, I found Christianity, um, and I, I left the Mormon Church along with my wife and family, and um, and it's been it's been amazing. Now, the I think that the bit the, the scariest part in doing that was one: how do I tell my family, and two: what does this mean mm-hmm. for my family? And I, I, I mean, we can get into that here in a bit, but but that for me, the, the hardest part of, of leaving the Mormon church and of doing my best to follow Jesus in, in embracing Christianity and, um, and following him was how do I tell my family and what does this mean for my family? Are, are we, are we together forever? Did, did I, you know, am I jeopardizing our eternal salvation? Like what, what is this? And so that, that in and of itself was quite the journey, but that's uh, I guess that's a quick, a, a quick rundown for you. Well, yeah, maybe for our listeners, and again, we cover this in depth in our podcast, Unveiling Mormonism, so I encourage people, if you have Mormon friends, or maybe you're listening to this and you, yourself, you have some background in Mormonism, or you're coming out of Mormonism, and you want to learn more about what the Bible says about it, um, we talk more about that on, on the Unveiling Mormonism podcast, but but Bo, just real quickly, I think it's important for our for our Christian listeners to understand how important family is in Mormonism, that it like your eternity really is tied to your family, which is why so many, I think so many Mormons would have a hard time answering this question the way you did. Would you still follow Jesus if it cost you your family? Because part of the message is you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose not just your family, but your eternity, your eternity is at stake here, right? Yeah, that that's right. It's, it, it is central to, Mormon theology, uh, family, eternal family really is essentially how you receive your exaltation. Um, it is tied to you and your spouse and your, and your children. Um, and so if you are unfaithful to the covenants that you've made in the temple or, you know, you reject, um, the teachings of, of Mormonism, essentially you are cut off from the rest of your family in, in eternity. Yeah, so this was a big deal for you. This was a big, because really, Bo, what you and, and your wife had to come to was re, you had to really be confident that this, that that biblical Christianity was true and that what you had learned, at least that part of it in Mormonism, was not true. 
Is that a, a proper way to assess that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think we had we needed a surety that uh, that only God could provide in order to make a decision like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why I just love your story, and you know we're seeing more and more people coming out of Mormonism with a story like that, where it's like God opens your eyes to really understand the truth, because you you know you're going to have to answer a lot of questions, and, I, and you know I'm sure your parents who are lovely people and you love them, and I appreciate that that's your heart and attitude. You're not trying to throw shade on Mormonism or your parents or anything like that. You just you recognize that the Bible teaches something different. And finally, you had the courage to follow Jesus, um, even kind of against the odds here. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting as you really start to understand what Jesus was getting at in the Bible and, and what it teaches, it actually is a pretty beautiful family story. It's, it's a story of us, mm. um, you know, as family with Jesus and, 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 and building a relationship, an eternal relationship with Jesus. And so... I think um, I think it's a I think it's beautiful, and I think it's more broad than than maybe we realize. Mm-hmm. Well, Bo, we're going to come back to your story because we want to make sure to give you an opportunity to answer that for our Mormon listeners who are coming out of Mormonism, or really, really anyone who's listening to this question: Would you follow Jesus if it costed your family? Because we know that there are listeners for a variety of reasons that are having to weigh that, and today's text really helps us to answer the question, um, because believe it or not, Jesus was in a similar place, and we're going to see that here in Mark chapter 3. Eric, why don't we start by reading uh, verses 20 and 21, and let's just start to get into the text and explain to our listeners what this passage is all about. Okay, it says, One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Yeah, this this part of the text is is very interesting. You know, if you've been with us in, in Mark, the book of Mark, um, chapter 2, he's been challenged by the religious leaders, um, and all of the things that he's been doing, healing, miracles, casting out demons, calling out the Pharisees, um, basically almost antagonizing and causing conflict, and, and thousands of people are following him. He hasn't been eating. His family thinks he's just probably a little too radical. Maybe he's out of his mind. And I think, yeah, a lot of us, whether, you know, Bo, thank you for sharing your story. And, and, and that's awesome. And, and I think that as we look through today's text, we're going to see that, that there's a lot of conflict that happens in families because of Jesus, because some believe the truth and some either reject it or believe some other lie um, about it. And one of the things that Jesus has in common with us, um, as we look at this, is that he had brothers and sisters. Like, I don't think a lot of people think about that, Brian. Um, when they think about Jesus or his family, they obviously we think about Mary and and Joseph because of the Christmas story. But the Bible actually tells us that he has brothers and sisters. So when it says his family. Um, we can we can go find out that he actually has four brothers and at least two sisters later on in 
in Mark chapter 6. It says, it says this, verses 3 and 4, is, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among relatives and in his own household. Yeah, that's amazing to think that Jesus, early on, and and listeners need to keep listening to the end because there's more to the story, but early on at this point in ministry, in Mark chapter 3 and Mark chapter 6, Jesus' brothers and sisters aren't following yet. By the way, how would you like to be Jesus's brother? I mean, talk about sibling rivalry. (laughs) Like, Jesus was perfect, and um, I'm sure that that was hard for his brothers especially if you... So many brothers are competitive with each other, so that must have been hard, especially if your name was Joseph and your brother's name was Jesus, and people probably got you confused a little bit until you couldn't heal somebody or, you know, raise the dead or (laughs) feed 5,000. So anyway, that's maybe for another podcast. But Bo, maybe you can help answer this. Jesus's family said that he's crazy. He's out of his mind. So what what are some of the things... I, th- I think when we look at Scripture, what are some of the things that Jesus demands from us, that Jesus did and that his followers did? What are, like, why would they call him crazy, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, Brian, he, Jesus demands some pretty crazy things, um, right? I mean, he says, you know, blessed is he who lays down his life for a friend. Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Give to the needy, but... Don't tell anyone you did it. Um, if anyone, you know, would would sue you and take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. If your right eye, this one's the best. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away, because it's better to go to heaven with one eye than hell with two eyes. Um, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. So, so Jesus came to demand some some pretty radical things and to challenge. Uh, you know, the status quo of the time. And, and uh, so for any of us listening, I, um, he, he's not just demanding that you're, you're following him. He, he demands that you give up certain things to follow him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think also that, uh, you know, outside of um, like, you know, looking at the out like outside the church, we can even look inside the church and some some you know religions that claim to be Christian or you know kind of some of the more progressive or, or liberal approaches to Christianity want to water down Jesus. You know, and what we've seen in the last three chapters is, especially in the Book of Mark, is Jesus is actually a radical guy. He's not afraid of a fight. He's he's come to call people out on their sin. Um, he's he's willing to to go toe to toe with the highest religious leaders and call out you know heresy and and correct them and and so in some cases people might think that that Jesus is abrasive or or politically correct incorrect and 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 I think that there's a lot of a lot of people out there, maybe even well-meaning people that don't just, don't quite read the Bible enough or understand, you know, the message of Jesus and how, 
how important the most, it's the most important thing to listen to who Jesus is. We have to get this right, who he is and what he's come to do. He's come to save us from our sin. And oftentimes people don't want to talk about sin. And so then when we do get radical for Jesus and we start wanting to go around, share the gospel with people and tell people they're sinners, all of a sudden we're the weirdo, right? All of a sudden we're uh, annoying to people. They don't want us at the family parties anymore because we're, <laughs> we're, we're bugging people. I remember I almost got in a fight with a guy at work over sharing the gospel with him, trying to convince him he was a sinner. You're, you're one of those guys, huh? Well, yeah. Bo, you, you were one of those guys even as a Mormon, right? You, I mean, you, were, you went on your mission so that you were, you were all in. Like, you were, a, you were a weirdo for Jesus as a Mormon, and then you met the real biblical Jesus. And that's what I love about your story, Bo, is you, is you said, I, I'm just, that's how I am. I just go all in. So I'm sure for your parents, that's, I would imagine maybe they can kind of respect that because they know you. They know your personality. So even though they're probably saddened, they're still trying to wrap their mind around the decision that you and your wife have made. They, they probably get it because this is how you're wired, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. I, I think um, I'm definitely wired that way. And yes, I, I was absolutely all about it as a Mormon. I think the difference here, though, is um, when you really find out and learn and come to know who God is, like who Jesus really is, who he was and who he is, um, it, it changes everything. It changes, I think it changes your heart. Um, and, and when you accept Jesus, you really do become a new creation. You become a new creation in Christ and you, you are convicted. And, and that's how I feel. I, I just feel convicted to, uh, um, not just to follow Jesus, but to, to spread the good news. And so, um, I would say maybe that's one of the differences for me was, you know, at times I did it out of duty before, and I think now it's more out of conviction and, uh, you know, really becoming a new creation in Christ. Mm. Oh, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, that's a really good way to explain it. Okay, so so Eric, we started off in verse 20 and 21. They're talking about Jesus and his family. And then we actually have to skip to verse 31 and 32, um, because what happens in between those verses is what, what theologians call an intercalation. So explain that to us. It's what we talked about last week um, about the unforgivable sin. So we started with the family, and now we're going we're gonna to have to skip some verses and come back to, to dealing with his family. Yeah, so uh, the book of Mark, as we've said throughout this whole series, is kind of a fast-paced, moving um, eyewitness account doesn't always actually even um, line up chronologically. It's more like moving movie scenes, you know, camera changes, changing camera angles and scenes and stories and people. And um, yeah, for whatever reason, uh, Mark does this thing called an intercalation six times in the book of Mark. And what that is, is a it's a literary device where one episode is interrupted by another, but each playing off the other with interrelated themes. And so, you know, what, what we saw last week was that um, the Pharisees think Jesus is crazy. They think he's, he's uh, doing the power and, or casting out demons by the power of Satan, and so they're rejecting him. Um, and, and this is related 
because the family also thinks he's crazy and are, in a sense, rejecting him as well. And that, that leads us to uh, seeing them um, try to intervene, kind of like have an intervention, you know, what you do with, uh, you know, with someone who's a drug addict in your family or somebody who's, you know, living in some kind of crazy lifestyle. The family all gets together and they decide to have this thing called an intervention and they get you all, get you in a living room and talk and they just everybody says their piece about hey what you've been doing is hurting the family and and you're 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 causing our name to be drugged through the mud with some of the crazy things that you're doing and and they're trying to intervene um with what they don't understand Jesus to be you know the son of god the messiah it really just shows uh in mark 331 now 31 through 32 was where we pick up the story and it says then Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them there was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you um, it's interesting that they they can't even make it into the house where he's at because they're so so jam-packed, probably full of people, because Jesus was always surrounded by large crowds, and and they're just kind of maybe at the back door, like, can you send someone in? Can you send someone in to get our son? We need to talk to him. We need to get him out of here. He's out of his mind. We need to take possession of him. That's really what that word means when it says they've come to come to get him. They They want to get him out of there for his own good. This is how sad it is that how blind they are, uh, that they, they don't see who Jesus really is. And, and part of this is, um, even in a, in a Middle Eastern culture where, uh, honor and, uh, shame or, or, or not bringing shame on the family, like having a high status in, in your family, it was one of the greatest values, um, they wanted to make sure to put an end to this crazy scene quickly before uh, before Jesus brings too much shame on their name or their family that can't be reversed. And isn't that often the the case sometimes with family members? You know, maybe Bo, you might even you know have a story about this where you know maybe had one or two family members come and try to talk you out of it before they wanted the whole family to know. Yeah, um, I do actually. Yeah. So I, I, uh, when I told my parents, for example, they, they both, you know, kind of explained, um, their views on it and, uh, you know, definitely had to sit down with, with both of them where their, their urge to me was, Hey, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one. Right. Like you've made important covenants and promises to God in the temple. And we want to make sure that you're, you're sure about what you're doing here. Right. So, um, as any loving parent would do, right? Like, like I, I think, uh, that's pretty, pretty similar actually. Yeah. to to what happened with, with myself and with, with KD. And so, but for us again, it was, yeah, just being convicted and knowing. And, and I think it's interesting here in this story, right. Where, um, again, his family's doing something very similar. They're like, Hey, we're, we came hmm. to, we came to get you out of here. Right. We, we came to take mm-hmm. charge. Uh, I think you're going, you're going off the rails here a bit. And, uh, and we, we came to talk some sense into you. 
Yeah, it's not, it's coming from a place of love, just like any family intervention would be, right? They they really care. Mm-hmm. They care about Jesus, and they think he's wrong. And it's interesting some of the wording here because it says that they stood outside, and the, the your mother. They said your mother and brothers are outside asking for you, and it's kind of this interesting visual that I get about who's who's an insider and who's an outsider. You know that that even just everything we've been learning so far in the Gospel of Mark is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they thought of themselves as the insiders, and yet they yet they found themselves on the outside of Jesus' circle. Not that he wasn't inviting them in. They didn't want to come in. And Jesus' own family, like who's who who do you think would be more of an insider than his own brothers and sisters and his mother? And yet in this picture, in this story, they're on the outside. And it makes us think of what we're going to read here in a little bit in Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. He's talking to this, he's saying this to insiders, but he says, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So it's this, you know, we see this all throughout scripture is sometimes it's really shocking to see who makes it in to truly follow Jesus and who doesn't. And Bo, even with your story, your pa- your parents and probably some of your family members are thinking about it the other way around. They're thinking that you're on the outside now and they're still on the inside. Mm. But they don't recognize it actually. And we and we pray that they will, right? But it, it's kind of a spiritual thing that they have to open their eyes to see. We I know that you are praying that over time, by your influence, by your example, through your love, that they'll recognize that you have like a closer relationship with Jesus now, now that you understand what it's really all about instead of all the trappings and some of the some of the bad doctrine of Mormonism, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's the prayer in my heart every day is is that yeah, that they would come to to recognize God and and the Jesus that that we that we love and follow. And uh and yeah, I think it's it's interesting, right? This the concept of being outside versus inside, right? The the physical family who are outside and his spiritual family who's sitting around him, which is which is what he's getting at in in these passages and um, and, and essentially that, that's the decision that, that my wife and I had to make was, was one of, okay, like, do we, do we feel like our families are most important or that Jesus and being a part of his family is most important? I want to share something as Brian, you, you're talking about you know, insiders and outsiders and how, how beautiful it is that that the insiders in this story, the ones that were crowded around him, were probably his disciples first, the ones that were the sinners, the the tax collectors, and probably the the the, the sick, the demon possessed, the people that were truly so desperate to go listen to Jesus teaching and be at his feet. And those are the ones that made it to Jesus's inside circle. And, and these outsiders who thought that they were the insiders, right? The, the Pharisees and even Jesus' family are probably, this is why they think he's crazy, because, because what kind of a God, holy God, would step down from heaven 
and spend his time around such scum when 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 the religious leaders, the Pharisees that we've been seeing, and they've been doing everything right, or, or so they think, and they have this this pride and arrogance to to that we've seen that that shows that they think that they're better than everyone else. I, part of my story, Bo, is that I I was born and raised also um, um, here in this state, and and I was on my block the only non-Mormon on my block. You know, I was, I was born and raised, uh, in a Christian, um, home. My parents had, had left Mormonism before I was born. And so, uh, I always felt like the outsider. I mean, honestly, hanging out with friends and playing sports and growing up through school, um, I always felt like I, I didn't fit in. Even, even my friends' family, you know, wanted to see me come to to ward meetings or whatever before they would let me, you know, hang out for, for too long with their family members. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and when it, when it ended up, ended up happening is when I finally got to, you know, a, a bigger school where there was more people to choose from. I finally found a crowd of people that, that would accept me. And that ended up being the, the sinners, you know, the, the group of sinners. And, and, uh, it led me down a path for a while in my life where, I eventually got so desperate that I needed to come and and sit at at Jesus' feet. I needed to hear his teaching. I needed to hear how much he loved me and forgive me for all the sin that I had got caught up in. And and the beautiful thing about that is when when we come to Jesus and we're so desperate, most of the Christian church came to Jesus under dire circumstances usually. And and it's it's wonderful uh because we just don't care what a, anybody thinks anymore you know like there's a certain level of having to put off uh you know saving face and and worrying about what everybody's going to think when we when we start to you know follow Jesus and look religious but in a in a different way that we just have to say you know what it doesn't matter all i care about is what god thinks about me first We'll work out all that other stuff later in our family, in our lives. But the the number one relationship I have to be concerned about right now is is me and God. Yeah, but what you say, Eric, is so true that that we're built the way that God designed us is to need community. We do need mm. family, and that's why this this yes. passage is so striking because. It's something I think we can all relate to. Some of us maybe have good family connections, some of us not so good, but I'm sure everyone listening to this wants to be a part of a healthy family. And Bo, this is what's so crazy about your story, is you were a part of a healthy family in so many ways, and and then all of a sudden you realized that the teachings of the church that you grew up in were not true, were not biblical, and this was just revealed to you, the Holy Spirit clearly revealed this to you, and now... You know, there's something, this is why we're, we're saying that really we're talking today about the fact that Jesus is greater than family, because families can become an idol. And, and so many of us, even in the name of God, in the name of religion, we can put family even over Jesus, and, uh, and that means family becomes an idol. And, and I'm so impressed, Bo, with your story that you didn't allow that to happen, and I know it was a journey, right? It took you seven or eight years for you and KD to finally say, we've got to, 
we've got to make the right choice here. As hard as it was, you were finally ready to make the right choice and and not allow family to be a thing that really, honestly, that the enemy would leverage against you guys. Because I know there are a lot of people for whom that's the truth, is, is family is the thing that keeps them from really pursuing Jesus because they don't want to disappoint mom or dad or or kids or whatever and so they they remain stuck in in a faith that isn't true i think it's everybody no matter who they are has to make a decision similar to this in their life of do i give this thing up to follow jesus whether it's family whether it's money right Mm -hmm. whether it's career whatever um we, we all have to make a decision to, to give something up to follow Jesus. And, and I, you know, earlier we talked about some of the radical things he's asked us to give up, but, but, uh, but yeah, for us, it was, you know, leaving a, a belief system, a set of values. It, it was, um, I, I really believe in honoring my parents, right. And, um, to leave all of that, to follow the true gospel, it, it would mean, um, ridic- ridicule or embarrassment in the community, um, and, and several other things, right. In, in the neighborhood, obviously it's a tight knit group here, not just with my family, but also with the friends here. And so, um, but, but it was, it's a, it's a decision that again, that we all need to make to follow Jesus and one that, that Jesus in, encourages, uh, us all to make, uh, even, even in this passage that we're in in Mark. Yeah. And, we, we need to finish with a few verses because for people who are listening to this, and I know there might be some listeners that are really beginning to think about, I think I need to make this choice. I need to make this choice. And, and I know we've talked a lot about sacrifice and being crazy and having to give things up, but here's the coolest way that this whole story ends. Jesus replies in verse 33, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Remember, they just said, hey, they're out here waiting for you on the outside. He said, who, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he looked at those around him in the inner circle. And he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And so the cool thing, again, to people who are listening to this, who are maybe faced with this decision, you're, yes, you're making a hard decision, and it might mean strained relationship with your family for a, for a minute, maybe even for the rest of your life. But you're gaining a family. You're gaining a, a new family in Christ. And Bo, I, I know that's a, that's a part of your story that I really want to make sure you, you tell, that when you and your wife and your kids walked in for the very first time to our church, um, and you'd never been to a church like that before, you didn't know what to expect, why don't you take it from there? Like, what, what was that like, and what has it been like over the last few months in your new community? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, we, we were just— blown away at how welcomed we were um you know we we were we were definitely wondering what what in the world do we do with the kids oh there's kids church okay they're taken care of um and then we go in and there's guitars and drums and it was like whoa um but yeah i'll never forget that that first that first sunday because you know we were we were taught uh, from God's word. Um, you know, we, we read the Bible together, we listened to an awesome sermon, um, focused in scripture. We, we praised God. We worshiped 
him. We felt his spirit and we were surrounded by, you know, um, unassuming believers that were there to worship and, and only to worship, right? Like they weren't there to impress their, their neighbors or they weren't there, you know, in a suit and tie and the nicest dress they could buy that they were there to, to, to follow Jesus. And, and that made such an impact on, on myself, on Katie and, and also on our kids. Um, they came home talking about Jesus and, uh, um, so for us, yeah, that experience that day and, and, you know, every Sunday since, um, attending church has been, it's been wonderful. It's been beautiful. It's been, uh, an opportunity to get to know God and God's people. And, um, and, and it's opened up this community of, of believers that, uh, um, is so different from the community that, that we were a part of before and so, so refreshing. Um, so I think, you know, for us, it's, uh, it's been, it's been one where we, we see what it's like, you know, when you follow Jesus, when you accept him and when you, you truly become part of that family. Yeah, so I want to just say, speak to the Christians out there for a minute. I just, the, whenever I hear your story, Bo, it just makes me think, thank the Lord that that was your experience. Because I know that's not every newcomer's experience to a, to a new church. Uh, it's so easy in our churches, Eric, isn't it? It's so easy to have your group of friends that you're comfortable with, and you know this little clique that, that you hang out with the people you sit next to maybe people in your small group and all those things are wonderful because this should be your family but the kind of family it should be is just arms wide open like ready to walk with people like Bo and KD and so many more in fact there's we've really noticed that there's a movement of people out of the Mormon church you know we do ministry in Utah and we've we've seen just this incredible movement of people but but our heart and I know Bo this is your heart too is we we don't want them to just like leave it all we don't want them to just ditch Jesus because because they had a bad experience or the or the doctrine of the Mormon church is wrong what we need is churches that really not don't just teach the bible they don't just provide a great sunny morning experience but it's really like a community of faith um, where, where Bo, you guys, you and your wife and your kids have like genuine family, like a new spiritual family. Right. And that's, that's my heart. So for Christians listening, I just encourage you to pray for, for the eyes of Jesus to pay attention to people that you don't know who show up at your church and, and put yourself in their shoes and, and welcome them with the love of Jesus because they might they might be leaving their family to be there. They might be there. It's so likely that so many people are are introducing hardship and it's bringing anxiety into their life. What are they giving up? And they're gaining Jesus, but they're gaining more than Jesus. They're they're gaining a new spiritual family as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Brian. That 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 fellowship is something that should be one of the the first things that a new believer tries to get into once they start 
you know, attending church. I know a lot of people come to our churches and it's like they'll check it out and they don't really want anybody to bother them or bug them. You know, you kind of have to like get a feel for who wants to actually, you know, fill out a welcome card and get some information and who's really just here to observe. Um, but my su- my suggestion to people is start building relationships as quick as you can because this our faith isn't meant to be lived out alone and and God says where two or three are gathered there I am among them and and God wants wants his people to have fellowship in the local church church even though there are some bad churches you know God started the church and created the church and it's what the church is is not a building it's a it's a gathering of people um and and people come to gather to gather together with the with a common belief and faith something that they all share together and it's it's the truth about Jesus Christ and so we we love it when the bible's being taught and that we're we're worshiping in spirit and in truth and and that uh people are welcoming and warm and and loving and kind because because when someone's checking out the church you know like you said they're they're contemplating all that they're going to lose if they make this decision mm-hmm. and and why not um offer them a family that they are going to be with forever you know the family of believers the bible the bible does say that we will be together with other believers in heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't talk a ton about the afterlife. Like, we have to, you know, kind of just trust trust the Lord's got it worked out. But what it does say is that, that all believers will be together worshiping the Lord in heaven. And so that's kind of a, we get a piece of heaven, a glimpse of heaven on, on a, a Sunday morning or in a Bible study or in a one-on-one relationship when we're just having that, that beautiful that beautiful fellowship. Um, and I just want to s- say something um, else. Is I think it's beautiful, Bo, that in your story, it didn't split up your immediate family. I, I love that. But th- there are so many people in our churches that, you know, husband and wife don't agree on faith, or or kids have gone wayward and, and have left the faith, um, you know, and so sometimes the immediate family does get split up and how hard that can be as well. Um, and, and so hopefully the church is a place for people to come and, and to get some healing from, from hurt and broken relationships and to be trained to go and now share this, to be trained to be like Jesus. Like, and if they're not going to listen to my words, as much as we try to train people to go out and, and share the gospel because the gospel saves people. And if we just get Jesus right and the gospel right, you know, God does the work and saves people. And we have to believe that. But sometimes they won't listen and, and, and they think we're crazy and we get rejected. And so then we need to learn how to be like Jesus, you know, and be patient and be kind and be loving and and forgive even when we're reviled and even persecuted by family members you know the bible has specific um instructions like if if you're married and your spouse uh isn't a believer but you are uh you're you you don't 
you don't have the right to divorce that spouse. Um, you're, you're called to live in that relationship the way that you came to the Lord. Um, and, and if you have unbelief or if you have, you know, kids in the home and they're young, um, and, and they don't, they don't believe, uh, while they're still under your authority, you have the right to continue to keep teaching and preaching and, 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 Yes, bring your kids to church. Um, I often tell people, yeah, my kid doesn't want to go to church. It's like a really young age. I'm like, well, who cares what he wants? You know, who cares what they want? They probably want to eat brownies for, for breakfast too, but you don't give them that, right? You set boundaries. And, and so what I'm saying is, is that, that uh, you know, faith in Christ um, you know, sometimes splits up immediate families and, and it makes it even harder to have to decide what to do. Well, uh, we need to train up our children in the way they should go. But when they leave our house, we have no, no authority over them anymore. And then we got to learn how to be like Jesus. And, and, and if they're not going to listen, they, they can e- at least when they're around you get a glimpse of, of who Jesus is. And that's what being a Christian's all about. Uh, Christian just means little Christ. We're supposed to represent him to the world, and but first and foremost, to our family. So, Bo, I've got one more question for you. What would you say to the listener who is in your situation, and they're not sure how to break this to their parents? Like, what, what, what would you, what did you do? What would you encourage them to do if they know this is going to be a blow to mom and dad or brother, sister, to say, hey, I've, I'm, I'm pursuing God somewhere else now. What would you say? Yeah, it's, I, I think it's an important question. It's one to be prayerful about. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, look, God gave us the, the family unit so that we could experience unity and love, right? And, and, um, and I think, I, I truly believe most families have that. And, and if, you, if you explain that you are doing this to follow Jesus. Like you, you're not doing this because you uh, are angry about the way you were raised or any of that. Like you're doing this to follow Jesus. You're you're doing this to truly find him. Uh, I think most would understand that. I think that that's, I mean, thankfully, right. Like I said before, I think I have amazing parents and they, they've been understanding in my desire and Katie's desire to find Jesus. And I think that's, you know what, but I I think that's the most important thing any of us can do. And if, if people don't accept that, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's okay. Um, Because pursuing a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing we will ever do. That's good. Eric, I've got one more question for you because listeners are probably wondering. So what happened to Jesus's brothers and sisters? Did they ever come to faith? Because again, some people are listening, wondering if their family is ever going to come around. And so what happened with Jesus's mm. family? Well, it's, it's, it's great news uh, because Jesus' family eventually got saved, uh, at least... The ones that we can read about are uh, James, his brother, um, and uh, his other brothers, actually. Uh, It's too bad for the sisters. I don't know about them. (laughs) The Bible doesn't say anything about his sisters other than what we read in those verses. But in Acts 1.14, 
when the Holy Spirit came and uh, you know started the church with the first believers, it says all these were with, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so they were there when the first uh, believers got filled with the Holy Spirit and started the church. And then, you know, James, the book of James actually uh, is believed to be, the author is believed to be the very brother of Jesus. And, And so James starts out that book and it says, James, a servant of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Greetings, and isn't it beautiful that his brothers, maybe even his mother, at at one point in time, you know, his mother even being talked to by an angel, um, had a point of doubt in her mm-hmm. life, and we saw that maybe. But the the brothers, they were they were thinking he was crazy and and trying to have an intervention with them and didn't believe in him. And now James is saying, Jesus is my Lord. Mm. He, I submit to him as, as my God. He finally got it. And that's, that's the hope. The hope is for that we don't give up on sharing the truth with our family, that we, we share it in words and in, in deed. And if, if, they, if they don't, uh, you know, we can only love them um, like the Bible calls us to love the rest of the world, um, and even greater so because they're family. But, but you know, sometimes they don't come to faith, and uh, but we can rejoice that we have a new family, a spiritual family of a lot of people that do accept us and have something in common with us, the greatest thing in common. Mm, but don't good. give up on your families yet. Yeah, because. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't either. Well, guys, thanks for sharing. And if uh, for the listeners, if you want to hear Bo's full story, or if you want to learn more about Mormonism compared to biblical Christianity, check out our podcast. We release new episodes every Monday. It's called Unveiling Mormonism. And if you want to talk about today's topic or any of the other topics in our Mark series with your family or your small group or your mentor, you can find it all at pursuegod.org forward slash Mark, and we'll see you next time.